Welcome back to The Chosen Life. And for today's episode, we have a very special guest, New York City realtor, up-and-coming superstar, Katie Haggard. Katie, welcome to The Chosen Life. Hey, Jonathan. Thanks so much for having me. Really appreciate it. Such a pleasure. Are you in New York City currently? Yes, I am. What is the weather like today? Right now, it's very cloudy and overcast. It hasn't rained yet, at least where I live, but um, very cloudy. Yesterday, it was beautiful, though. Yesterday was a gorgeous day. I got to tell you, one of my favorite cities on the planet. I've been there so many times, and it's one of those cities that I don't know if if I would live there, but I would visit there every chance that I could. Oh, yeah, man. New York just has my heart. You know, there's... There's literally no other place like it. And the longer I'm here, the more I, the more I fall in love with it. And I just, it's, it's just, it's just unlike any other, any other city in the world. Well, to talk about your story and your journey. So first of all, you did not start off as a realtor Mm-mm. and you did not start off in New York city. <laughs> I did I, not. I did not. I think like every other diverse uh, New York success story, it always begins from another origin. So let's start off with the Katie Haggard story. Tell us where were you born and raised? Yeah, so actually I was born in Kansas. My dad was in the military and um, I believe it was Fort Riley out in Kansas. And then we moved around a lot, obviously. I lived in um, Kansas, we moved to Mississippi. We lived in Alaska for three years, which was amazing. And then um, we moved to Arkansas and then ended up we he actually retired in memphis tennessee so that's kind of memphis tennessee is kind of where i spent like my middle school high school years <clears throat> and so I, whenever anyone asks me where i'm from i'm just like i'm from memphis you know you, you don't want to go through that whole progression um so i i spent that i spent my my high school years in memphis and um you know really really did love it i was always I was always very driven very you know i wanted to have a plan i wanted to have i had goals i didn't want to like when I was in high school, I was seeing like everybody around me, all my friends and my siblings and their friends, they would end up like the end of end of high school, ready to go to college and have no idea what they wanted to do. So they ended up wasting years and years and years of just like chilling, you know? And I didn't, I didn't want to do that. So I, I was like 11 years old when I started thinking about like what I wanted to do with my life. And uh, <laughs> I went through a couple of, I went through a couple of things that I was really interested in. And then eventually um, I love to cook. And I was like, you know, I kind of think that I really want to, to pursue being a chef. And um, I was when, when I met you at the time, when we met in New York City, it was about 2019, I think. So pre-COVID. And mm-hmm. I knew you as a New York City chef from Memphis. I didn't even know the whole story of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a, like any story, there's always, it's always more involved. Um, <clears throat> but I ended up graduating high school a year early and I was like, I'm going to take this year and I'm going to work in restaurants before I decide that, you know, this is what I want to do. Um, Cause like I, I was, I've always been really bad at academics in school. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. You know? So I was like, whatever I decide to do, I have to be able to get in and out of it within two years because I just, I can't handle any more school than that. Um, and so, you know, culinary is about two-year program most places. So I was like, that would work. So I ended up working in, in restaurants for a year. I had, I worked in two restaurants, um, started out in the front of the house, serving, hosting, that sort of thing. And then, um, I talked 
the executive chef into letting me like do some prep work in the kitchen. And that, and that took so much work. Like this chef was just like one of those very serious individuals. And, and he knew, he knew that um, I wanted to go to culinary school. And so one day I saw him like interviewing people and I was like, Keith, you are not hiring somebody right now. And <laughs> so that kind of sparked the whole thing. And he let me start like working in the back like one day a week and things like that just to get my feet wet. And this um, is in Memphis, correct? This is in Memphis, yeah. And culinary yeah. school was in Memphis as well. Culinary school was not in Memphis. Oh. Not in Memphis. And, and the funny thing is when I was deciding culinary schools to go to, I wanted to move to New York to go to, at the time, the French Culinary Institute, because they had this particular program where I would spend time abroad and things like that. Mm -hmm. And it was just, it was a really incredible program. Um, <clears throat> so, and, and I actually came up here to visit with my, my parents and looked at the school and everything, loved it. But it was also like $100,000. <laughs> and, you know, and that's like, in US dollars, folks, for whichever country. And that's a <laughs> lot of money. Yeah, for, for like a, and that was a two year program. And I was like, look, if I, because I knew what, what cooks started out making, like when, when you start out as a line cook, you don't make a lot of money. And I was like, you know, do I really want to be a hundred grand in debt just starting out? You know, and, and so anyway, thinking about that and then the the chef I was working for at my first restaurant who gave me gave me the one day a week he was like you should go to the school I went to it's a tech school I know the chef there he's very good you learn everything you need to learn about cooking and you can get out and and it's not that expensive um but it was in Atlanta so um I went to Atlanta saw it and um everything was great. It was, it was great. You know, I just, I knew because culinary school literally, and I feel so bad for all these kids out there who are going to culinary school and think they need this big name on their application because they don't, you just need to go to culinary school and learn how basic cooking techniques. That's what culinary school is for, you know, and it doesn't take that long and it shouldn't be that expensive, but you got people just charging these, these kids so much money to, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But anyway, um, but in fairness, I'll tell people, uh, I learned all my cooking from mom and from YouTube. And no matter how much <laughs> practice I've had, I've seen your creations on Instagram and I, I can't touch that stuff. So learning the technique, it does pay off. Yeah, it's so important. It's, it's so important. Um, but, you know, and a lot of, and, and honestly, like most of those things, I learned working, working on the job with great chefs, you know, honestly. But um, so I ended up, I ended up going to school in Atlanta and the head, the head, headmaster of the culinary program, he actually had a restaurant. <clears throat> and um, so I worked for him in his restaurant and then went to school full time. And I ended up, I ended up staying there a total of six years. Because oh, okay. <clears throat> I was, I was working my way up through the ranks in his restaurant um, after school. And then I, I just kind of hit this, you know, you hit this, uh, this level where it's like, I, I can't really do anything else here. I can't really, really grow anymore here. I knew that I was capable of a lot more. Mm -hmm. um, there wasn't really anything else that I could do within that restaurant. So I started looking around other restaurants in Atlanta. Um, and there was a couple of good ones, but what I was really disappointed in at the time in the food scene in Atlanta was everything was very much the same. Like it was all this sort of new southern american cuisine which is fine 
but I didn't want to cook that you know I wanted to cook like Michelin star fine dining cuisine and and it really just didn't exist anywhere in in Atlanta so I started really thinking like where am I going to go and and I always thought about moving to California and I always thought about moving to New York and New York was like the dream right and uh and then it just hit me one day it was like if I don't go to New York now I'm never going to go you know, I can always go to California if I want to, but if I don't go now, it'll never happen. And it was just like, it was like, I was, I had been searching for so long for the answer. And then the answer just hit me like a ton of bricks and I knew exactly where I was supposed to go. Um, and that's, that's how I ended up in New York. How long ago did you go to New York city when for the, from Atlanta? I moved here in November of 2015. Okay. So you have been in New York mm -hmm. for quite a while yeah. now. You spent six years in Atlanta, just to put in perspective, like, you know, when you're graduating high school and you're starting off your career and then going to school, uh, your family is back home in Memphis, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So uh, what is the, what is the commute like? It's not too far of a distance, right? From Memphis to Atlanta. Memphis to Atlanta is about a six hour drive. Okay. Yeah. Or, so or, or a five or minute fly or yeah. a five minute uh, <laughs> flight, right? Flight. <laughs> yeah. But, but then New York city is a whole other track yeah. so was was there any hesitation that way as far as being close to family or you're ready to just let loose and mm -hmm. let it happen for for me on my side no and i and that and i don't say that in like a negative way i love my family dearly but i was always that person who was like 18 and i'm out you know like i i always knew like i am capable of making my own decisions making good decisions and even if i make a bad decision it's going to be fine you know what i mean i'm very um independent and i can always i've always been confident of being able to take care of myself so it was never and, and i'm also one of those people who's just like you know just do it and figure the rest out later yes. <laughs> you know <laughs> so and that's and that's literally how the how it was when I moved to New York. Um, I think the only thing that I really had lined up was a job and a place to live. And other than that, it was just like, you know, I'm here. <laughs> so, when, so I meet you in about 2019. And mm -hmm. uh, just for reference, we were at a, uh, a unique uh, studio called Box and Flow. And I thought this was the coolest thing ever because I love boxing and I love yoga. And I'm in New oh, York, yeah. I'm visiting for like a week and I'm like, I need to get my workouts in. And I'm researching in my area and I'm saying, oh my God, I can actually box, take off the boxing gloves and do some yoga. This place is for me. So I rush over there and I start going there every day. And I think twice a day, sometimes they had co-ed change rooms, but it doesn't sound as sexy as it actually was. It was like a separation for the showers part, but I'm like, okay, this is really different. So whatever. And uh, we were in the change room talking and that's how we had uh, originally spoken and you were cooking and I was a real estate lawyer. And it's mm -hmm. funny now looking ahead, you found us in the world of real estate. Yeah, I know, isn't it so crazy? For, I just have to say, I miss Box and Flow every day, like every day. It was so cool because you come in there, it was like this dark, like you feel like you're like kind of like in a, in a basement dungeon kind of thing, but in a good way, mm -hmm. like, and they pump out the music and you're just pumping out the punches for like, 40 minutes straight. Yeah. Your arms feel like they're going to fall off and then throw off the gloves, 
roll down the mat and half an hour of yoga. I thought that was like the coolest concept ever. It's so great. I'm so sad for them. You know, there's a lot of studios and a lot of uh, fitness centers, you know, with COVID unfortunately did not survive and they were not one of them, but I met the, uh, the studio owner. I thought she was amazing. How long were you going to box and flow for? Oh man, I was probably, go I was going for a couple of years. H had to have been. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was so, it was so good. Um, but, so it's amazing. Yeah. It's amazing the things we love and then we're used to it. And then all of a sudden we break away from our comfort zone. So again, when I met you at that point, you've already been in New York for four years and you're cooking. So mm -hmm. uh, where did you start off cooking in New York and how did you find that travel from cooking to real estate? Yeah. So I started, um, <clears throat> I started at, at this one restaurant and I actually worked at this one restaurant for a total of five years, the entirety, almost the entirety of my time in New York. Um, and I worked my way from the bottom all the way up to Chef de Cuisine. And um, and you're not taking acting was, classes. You're not going to like auditions mm -hmm. at the time. You are devoted to this profession. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 100% professional chef. I wanted to work my way up through the ranks. And that's exactly what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> and in, let's see, February of 2020, I had just taken my first like head chef position. We, in, in a restaurant, it was a Japanese restaurant and they had a Michelin star sushi, sushi bar on one side of it and then a main dining room on the other side. So they were bringing me in to run the main dining room and the, the sushi chef was like the executive chef. And then I was running, the, the dining room was mine. Okay. And they were, they were, we were revamping the program because their main dining room was just, it was a wreck. And they had this really beautiful Michelin star sushi bar and the dining room was awful. So we were, we were revamping their program. And, um, and then obviously, so that was February, 2020 and March, 2020, obviously everything shut down because of COVID. Right. And um, they just, they it, eventually, we, we wondered for the first few months if, if we were gonna reopen and eventually they were just like, we're not, we're not able to sustain it. And, and they did not, excuse me, end up, end up reopening. So at that point I'm like, and honestly, Honestly, during during COVID, the quarantine and the shutdown, I was actually really grateful for it because I was so exhausted. I was like, I I definitely needed needed a break, some time off. So I was loving I was loving every minute of that until they were like, we're not gonna open again. It was like, well, okay, so let's let's figure it out. So I started staging at other restaurants, um, and then uh, and then I ended up finding out that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. And um, so I was like, and you know, but when, when you find out, when you find out that you have cancer and then when you actually start treatment, there's a couple of months in there. So during that couple of months, I was like, well, you know, what am I going to do? Cause I, someone has to take care of my mom through treatment. And, you know, the rest of my siblings had families and, and all of those things. And, you know, so I was like, if I take any one of these jobs at another restaurant, I can't, I can't help my mom through treatment. Um, and I, and I can, and if I stay in restaurants, then I can never, I, I'm never there for them. Like the, there's zero flexibility, right? Right. Because, you know, you're in restaurants from 9am until close every single day, if not earlier than that, <clears throat> you know, so, cause, cause like the higher you move up in restaurants as a chef, the more if you don't get more time, you, you, you lose more time, you know? <laughs> so it's zero flexibility. 
Um, and I had always wanted to get involved in real estate from an investment perspective, not necessarily the sales side of things. Mm -hmm. So I just started thinking, I'm like, you know, what is, is there just asking the questions, like, is there something that I can do that I want to do that I can get excited about that will give me flexibility in being able to be there for my family, not just, not just short-term, but long-term as well. You know, and I started thinking about real estate because, you know, it is more flexible. <clears throat> it's your own business. The earning potential is much greater. Um, there's, there's really no lid <clears throat> on it. And, um, and you can, you can build a very successful business from it, you know? So that was very attractive to me. And it also would, uh, you know, make it slightly easier to get into the investment side of things eventually. So, so, you're, so you're back. Are you in Memphis at this point? Are you back? Did I'm, you go back to Memphis? To, I'm in, uh, I'm in New York at this point. I'm in New York at this point. Still in New York. Okay. Yeah. Still in New York at this point. And so, even you know, immediately when I, when I decided that I, I started studying for my real estate license, um, cause it's not, it's not a hard thing to get. You just have to take this, this 75 hour course and then the state exam. Um, <clears throat> so I, I did that and, uh, got my license. It was funny. Like I, I took the state exam like three days before I left to go to Memphis. Um, and I was like, if I don't pass this exam, <laughs> then I don't get my license because I couldn't go back to retake it. But anyway, uh, I passed. Uh, how long between the time you started studying for the course of time that you took your bar exam, how much time was that roughly? Uh, it was probably, it was probably six weeks or so. Um, yeah, probably. Six weeks. I don't know exactly. Six, so six weeks from the beginning of studying, you take this the the, the course, and then you got to mm -hmm. pass the bar in New York, and you pass mm -hmm. it on the first try. Mm -hmm. And now you're yeah. licensed to be a realtor. And now I'm a licensed real estate in New York, in the state of yes. New York. It's very interesting because realtors listen to this. Like, uh, so I'm based out of Ontario, Canada, and mm -hmm. our criteria are much much different. Like, we have really? a lot of mini uh, courses that people have to take, and then mm -hmm. they have to take the test. So I, mm -hmm. I think, I don't know if it's 12 courses, 14 courses, whatever it is, you got to yeah. go step by step by step by step. And they're going to be introducing, uh, if they haven't done it already, a bar is coming into, into here as well. Oh. So, so I think all the different body governing this uh, will look at different areas and see what they're doing. And, and that, that makes sense. Uh, but it was a pretty quick timeline that you're able to pull it together and you got it on the first try, which is awesome. Yeah, no, that's, that's exciting. And, and, and the course itself, it's, it's a, it's 75 hour online course with um you know chapter exams that you have to pass and and then the course exam that you have to pass so until you get th through the course and pass everything you can't take the can't take the final um and then we have you know a certain number of continuing education hours that we have to do every year in order to stay licensed so <clears throat> did, you, did you have it in your head previously that just in general that you would get the license or, or did the license idea only really come through COVID times only, only through, only through COVID when I was trying to find a way to be able to, to help my mom, you know, cause mm -hmm. I, you know, I, I love cooking to this day. I love to cook, you know, and, and I do miss, I do miss aspects of the kitchen. I, I don't miss the, the unflex, the lack of flexibility, but, mm -hmm. um, I do, I really do miss cooking <laughs> actually. Yeah. yeah it, it's funny. When, and I've seen people have had their career changes and, you know, it's very often for the best and it's during, you know, times of crisis, you know, blessings can come out of it. And the blessing for mm -hmm. you was that it showed you the path for a career, for your career, but you, yeah. you pass the bar, you head back home. Now, now you're with mom and the family. And, mm -hmm. and when did you come back to New York to actually jumpstart the real estate career? 
Yeah, so I was with my, I was in Memphis for five and a half months. I got back February, uh, the second week of February in 2021. 2021, okay. So and, a, year, uh, a year and a bit ago, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, actually, while I was in Memphis, I wasn't sure like how, I wasn't sure how long I was going to need to be there because, you know, you never know what, what's going to happen. So I ended up, I actually got licensed in Tennessee as well. Um, and started oh. doing just like minor work, minor work with, with a team down there just to, cause I didn't want to like, I didn't want to waste time. You know, I, I wanted to, to learn and, and do something while I was there. So, so that so was good. Did you have to pass the bar there as well? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look at you just yeah. let's pass bars let's get licensed, <laughs> and let's do, and just, let's just practice some uh, real estate while we're here and get let's going get on it. Some real estate done. Good for you. So, how soon yeah. to, till you got involved in your first transaction? Um, I, I I don't really remember honestly. My so I partnered with um, my I have a lender partner, and we started doing like first time home webinars for people, first time okay. home buyer webinars, and we got we we got uh, several few deals from from that, which was which was really great. Um, you know what's what's interesting, and I didn't. I didn't expect this coming from, you know, a career change, like working in kitchens. I've always been a very hard worker and I've always like, it, it was never a big deal to me. Like I loved working, I loved working hard, um, but it's just a different type of hard work in real estate than it is than it is in kitchens. And it's a different type of personal discipline and personal growth that you have to have in, in real estate or in your own business. And that's, um, that's been, that's been interesting to learn and, and work through, you know, I, I but, say that I think what you're doing right now, I think is one of the hardest, if not the hardest professions, because you literally have to create something from nothing, you know, it's mm-hmm. all on you. And, you know, yeah. I, I'm picturing now you work in a kitchen, you're baking a cake, you're uh, making a dinner, you can see the end product. And mm-hmm. when you're working for somebody, you're getting the paycheck here. You can put in all these hours, work with the most fantastic clients on the planet. And one thing or another, they don't buy, they don't sell. And there's no money to show for it. Despite yeah. the hours. It's, it's yeah. mind- or you could put in minimal time and just fall into a good situation with great clients, great property. And before you know it, it's sold or it's purchased and boom, it's just, it's over like that. So yeah. you never, <laughs> it's so crazy. Every, there's no, no two deals are the same. And, you know, but I think like, you know, this is where, where I am right now. And, and over the last year is why so many agents don't succeed in this business because it's like, it gets really hard for a long time and they don't, you know, they don't want to stick it out and figure out how to make it work and um because i think what's the statistic like and 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 this could be wrong but like 98 percent of new agents quit within the first two years or something like that like it's it's an astronomical number i could see that and and a bunch of people we a bunch of new we got a bunch of new agents through COVID times which i understand because everybody lost their job and they're like oh i can sell real estate (laughs) you know um but yeah, it's, it's a really, it's, it's just very, it's different. It's different. I would also say that when, when you were cooking, when you were a chef, mm-hmm. you were hundred percent devoted to being a chef. And when you mm-hmm. went into real estate, you were hundred percent devoted to being in real estate. You're not, 
running three different careers here and kind of dabbling in it. Like you were mm -hmm. new to it, you were green, but you are throwing yourself fully into it. I think that yeah. makes a, a very big difference. Plus, by the time you got back to New York, you'd already started it, the career, mm -hmm. as far as back in, in Memphis. Now, uh, when did you get back to New York and when did the New York real estate career start? Yeah, so I got back to New York February of 2021, middle of February. <laughs> it was Valentine's Day weekend. And, um, and I started, I started right away. So, <clears throat> you know, I, and I ended up, I was with one brokerage and then I ended up switching bro brokerages a, a few months, probably like six months in or so, mm -hmm. um, which that was great. You know, that, that was really good for me. And it, and it really like, you have to make sure you surround yourself with the right people, you know, um, that makes all the difference in the world, all the difference in the world. And, uh, and that was, that was one thing that I had to learn because I thought I was with the right people for a long time, you know, and, uh, and then slowly realized that it was, I, I wasn't, but, um, you know, at the end of the day, you have to do, you have to do what's best for you and what's going to actually help you grow and you move forward and, um, and make the progress that, you know, you can. I find a lot of agents do switch their brokerages early on in their careers. Sometimes it's the brokerage itself. Sometimes it happens to be uh, the group within that brokerage. It, there's the brokerage in a global sense where mm -hmm. you went to one office is not the same as another office, you know, because yeah. all these brokerages are all are worldwide. So because yeah. it could be that particular office didn't fit or the team of people that they were working with or mm -hmm. if they're partnering up with somebody and, you know, people think they have that solution. Sometimes it's a, it's a great fit. Sometimes they need to make a change just for the sake of making a change because they're stagnant, you know? So yeah. I, I definitely see a lot of that. You're with EXP Realty now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, known as a pretty dynamic uh, brokerage. Why did you pick them out of everybody? So I picked I picked EXP Realty for two main reasons. Um, the people that I wanted to be aligned with were with EXP Realty. And yeah. the other thing is <clears throat> they're, they're splits. They're, and they're, well, they're splits. splits. So I'm not sure yes. if it's different, if it's different in Canada, but like um, in here in the States, like my original brokerage I was with, they, they, I had to pay them $30,000 a year, um, 70, 30 split. And then, and then it was, you got to keep 100% of your commission once you paid the 30 grand, which all in all, it's not, that's not terrible. You know, it's really not, but EXP is $16,000 with eight, 80, 20 split. So I get to keep 80, they take 20 until you hit 16 grand. And that's for everybody. Like that doesn't change across the world. And what happens 000. after the 16 grand? You get to keep. 100% of your commissions. Interesting. It's, uh, yeah. I've heard of so many different splits, the, how they're set up. And one thing I would caution any realtor listening to this, that it, it doesn't always work. You know, there'd be a place that charges you next to nothing as far as splits wise, but there's something to it as far as the name you're attaching yourself to if that works for you or not, the kind of mentorship you're getting right. If they're offering mm -hmm. uh, programs, as far as developing your skills, the kind of people you're working with, if you form a good team, there's so many variables of why people work where they do. I've had brokerages where people are working that are paying astronomical splits, but they're also making astronomical money because that, mm -hmm. that's the kind of deals that are flowing in. So everybody's very, very different <laughs> in this sense. Everybody is. And, and I think brokerages are very interesting because like <clears throat> you can make astronomical amounts of money regardless of what brokerage you're with. You can 100%. That's completely up to you, you know? And I haven't seen, and I've, I've done a lot of research on brokerages and I haven't seen anybody, anyone that actually has a good, a good program for teaching people about real estate. I haven't. 
everything Absolutely. that I've really learned about real estate, I've gotten through outside sources, like through mega agents who ha- who started their own coaching companies or like Ryan you know, things like that, like Ryan Serhant, like Hoss Pratt, like, you know, Lisa Copeland, like, you know, there's so much information out there. And I think people get too agents, especially new agents, get too tied up with what brokerage they're with. Um, because like, what, what are they really going to do for you? Like, they're all going to make a lot of promises, Mm -hmm. but are they really going to come through on those promises? You know? So I think you, you really, and as new agents, you don't know what you need. You don't know, (laughs) like, you really don't know anything. So you're just going in blind and trusting people and that's okay. But, um, you know, I would just, for me, it's never been about, it's never been about the brokerage. I, I like to be left alone and be able to do what I want to do. And that's another reason why I like EXP Realty because, <clears throat> you know, they, they want you as the agent to build your brand. They don't necessarily want to push EXP brand. They want you to be at the forefront. And I love that about it. So, uh, yeah. yeah, go ahead. So that's, so, that's, so that's why you, why you, why you picked them in particular. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I got to tell you, like in a, in a global sense, you know, here I am as an outsider, right? I met you actually once. I mean, we spoke quite a bit yeah. afterwards, but uh, we never actually met each other physically after that. And I got to see your journey through social media, like everybody else, mm-hmm. you know, and I see the chef and the professional chef and the beautiful creations you, you're making. All of a sudden, real estate, it's, it felt like almost overnight. And then as I'm watching your progression and your posts and your videos, it feels like at some point you've been doing real estate forever, you know, like that's how you're yeah. putting it out there. And I got to tell you, like I made myself a couple of notes here and I want to stress this very much. Uh, the way I would destri- describe Katie, ambitious, very much so. That's very clear in all her postings, whether it's chef, realtor, and very much setting yourself in, in, in what you're speaking. You know, I, I made these notes and it's very clear to me, professional and personal goals. You know, you're a person that you're not just, you know, okay with getting by day to day seeing how things go, you set yourself big level goals. You see the vision of the future. I know when we've had our discussions uh, off camera, like before, like speaking, that's mm-hmm. it, that was very much the forefront always for you. You know, where am I heading in life? Where am I going to live? Where is this? You know, how, how are things going in New York? Where, where are things that go for my career? And I was very impressed always that you keep setting goals wise for yourself. And that's where on your, and, and you, people will have your contact information so they can reach you after this episode. And I highly yeah. encourage people to hit that subscribe button, send your comments for myself and Katie, because we'd love to get the feedback and talk about it. Because people are watching this also saying, do I go to New York City? Do I do a career change? You know, here's proof. Yes, it can be done. <laughs> yeah. But what the way you titled yourself was very interesting. You chose to put in the, the word entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Now, I have to ask you, knowing so far people are like, they're on the edge of the seat, you know, they're following your journey through the States, finding your dream in New York City, now in a new career, established career. It's not that new anymore, actually, but it yeah. feels, feels relatively new, but it's not. Why entrepreneur? What does the word entrepreneurship mean to you? You know, I always, even as a kid, I always wanted to have my own business. <clears throat> and, you know, at the time, when I was younger, I always thought it would be like either, you know, a restaurant or sort of food production company or, you know, have my own brand of something like something like that. Um, because, because that's how you create wealth, you know, like through having your own business, through investments and things like that. And that's what I've always wanted to do is, is create wealth for myself and my family and sort of be that, that pioneer for, for my family. 
And, um, and I think, I think you have to call yourself and treat yourself and think of yourself as who you see yourself to be, not necessarily who you are right now, because that's how you become that. And, um, you know, having, being a real estate agent allowed me to create, or I am creating my own business for that, you know, <clears throat> you know, wealth creation right now, even though it is still just a baby. And, and um, I just had a speaker for one of my events come in and, and he made a comment and he was like, this is chapter one of my book. And, and I've got 400 chapters in my book. And I was like, I love that because <laughs> that's exactly how I feel, you know? And I, and I think it's a good perspective because it's so easy to get sort of like uh, cloudy in your mind with where you are right now, especially if you're, if you're having like frustration with where you are or you have to make big decisions about a career change or maybe it's not moving as quickly as you want it to move. Um, you know, understand that this is just, your chapter one and you have 400 chapters and you just got to get through to the next chapter you know so I I do consider myself an entrepreneur and with a baby business right now but I know that baby business is going to grow to be a toddler and then it's going to grow to be a teenager and then we're going to expand and have more babies you know <laughs> you know what I mean because I I am very good at casting a vision and seeing where I where my I think my potential could go you know that's I think that's one of my gifts um, <clears throat> being detail oriented in the day-to-day mundane is not, is not my strength. So that's kind of what I've been really focusing on, you know, most recently in the last year and, and getting that really dialed in. I think that's what it'll be eventually also growing the team, getting a personal assistant, yeah. everything will grow from there. And I see the progressions for people. So it's finding the stuff that you enjoy to do, you know, rainmaking, bringing in the clients, servicing them. And then the mm-hmm. other details, having somebody look after that. So that's what comes in the growth. But the beginning, when you're starting your own business, it's all you. You're the HR department. Yeah. You're the marketing department. <laughs> you're the sales department. You're the accounting department. You're literally everything. So I, I love how you put that because really, you know, a, a lot of people doing what you're doing don't realize that really you are running a business. You know, mm-hmm. it may not have the bricks and mortar, so to speak. You know, that's the car. That's you traveling around in, in, in your uh, place, in, in your office uh, with the XP. But it's really, it is a business that you're running. And I, and mm-hmm. I love that. Now, yeah. now to, before we get into actual real estate and talking about that, to put it to the context now for a lot of us, like we're on the outside. So I'm, I'm in Toronto, you know, not everybody can still travel out of Canada. We won't get into all that stuff. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, New York City, you know, for all of us that love New York City, you know, either grew up in New York City, been to New York City, you know, bleed Yankee blue, it, 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 it is such a dynamic city. It is just the most amazing place in the world. And it's one of those things you come, it's like, it's so busy and so congested. How could you love it? You just got to get a feel for, it. you know, when you walk through Central Park and you get to see the sites, you get to go to shows and the dinners, like there really is no place like it. Mm-mm. Tell it's, us now. Got, yeah, yeah, sorry, go ahead. No, it's just okay. got this intense energy mm. that a lot of people can't, I don't want to say can't handle, but just don't like, you know, and don't identify with. But yeah. Have you been to Toronto yet? I haven't. Mm-mm. I so, haven't been to Canada. Oh, you have not been to Canada. Okay. Well, no. If, if, if imagine New York City real dialed down, like okay, okay. Toronto is like, so 
New York is like uh, Toronto on steroids, basically. Like we're oh. like a mini-ish wannabe New York City. Sorry, guys, but uh, and gals, <laughs> but Toronto's a lot calmer. Like you can still drive. You're not, you know, you don't want to leave your car and just walk and subway it everywhere. But mm-hmm. uh, I would say we're in that genre, certainly. Okay. So I know, you know, and all of us, wherever we're living, we know people all over the world are watching this right now. Mm-hmm. Hi, hi, everyone. And <laughs> as they're there and they're thinking, I've been to New York City, I plan to go to New York City. Let's take a side what the media is saying about it. Give us the straight goods. You know, we are in the year 20, 2022 now. You know, 2020 is in the back uh, of our rear mirrors. What is New York today like? How is it recovered? What is general life like in New York City? Please tell us. Yeah, absolutely. And that's such a great question. And I'll tell you what I tell my family all the time when they text me and call me worried. I'm like, the news always makes it sound a hundred times worse than it is because they only report the bad things that happen. And and that's just what it is. So New York City is very much um, alive. It's very much well. The (laughs) restrictions have been lifted. So there's no more mask mandates. Um, uh, there's no more, except for in, <clears throat> I believe Broadway still has the vaccine, the vaccination mandates, but, um, you know, no more, no more mask mandates, which is awesome, you know, and people, people are everywhere. Like it, it feels like old New York. You're, you're going to, con- you can go to concerts, you can go to sporting yeah. events, dinners, everything's open. Mm-hmm. Everything's open. Everything's Amazing. open. And, and the only thing, like, I know a lot of companies are still okay with they haven't made them come back to work yet. So mm-hmm. I, I know like a lot of our office buildings are still pretty empty, but the energy, everybody, people are back. It's, you know, parks are full. Like it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. I've, I've offices like started doing like hybrid versions of some offices mandated people back. Like as far as when you're walking through the downtown there, is there people again? Like, is there oh, a yeah. good flow? Oh yeah. Yeah. Every, everywhere, like everywhere. It's awesome. And I was just thinking this the other day because I was out in Manhattan with my friend and it was just everywhere was packed. It's like New York is back. I walked the Brooklyn Bridge with my friend and it was just packed. It was packed, you know, no masks, gorgeous day. And um, it was it was lovely. And it's just it's uh, it's it makes me so happy because honestly, there was nothing more depressing than walking through New York City and it being completely empty. Like it was just so sad. It was so sad. Because it's the people who make New York what it is, you know? The only time I remember seeing anything like that was back in uh, September 11th, back in the day when uh, yeah. unfortunate incidents happened. And I was in downtown Toronto at the time. And I was stuck in a tax library when I walked out of there in the middle of the afternoon. I walk out and literally there's no cars and there's no people. And I said, oh, my God, did World War Three break out? What the hell yeah. is, heck is going on here? Like this was blowing my mind. And even now, you know, as we're going through the pandemic here, you know, a lot of people working from home, offices were closed and, you know, it was barely any foot traffic for what you would normally see. And now it's starting to come back to normalcy, so to speak oh, as good. well. But, yeah. you know, we can't talk about normalcy. We can't talk about how life is without ingraining real estate because everybody loves talking about real estate and where the real estate's at. And I remember at the start of the pandemic, you know, people were talking about New York City, rents are falling, people are leaving New York in droves, rents are the lowest ever, Commercial space is available like never before. Prices are dropping, you know, on purchases. This is the kind of stuff we're hearing. So tell us now how much of that was actually accurate and where are rental actual prices like residential, commercial, and general New York these days? Yeah, absolutely. So back in 2020, all of that was true. Rental prices were falling like crazy because everybody left. You know, everybody left. So landlords were just trying to get people in the building, right? So 
people, they, the landlord was agreeing to pay the broker fee. They were slashing rents, you know, and people, people took advantage of that and they should have, like, it's, it was crazy how cheap some of these, these rents were, but uh, man, now that is completely the opposite. Like, I think the only, I think Miami just passed us in rental, in, in rental prices, just the, and they just passed us because that's how much they went up. Like, Rental prices are are so high right now, simply because landlords need to make them. They they gotta recoup somehow, right? So I, I gotta tell you, just uh, I just came back from Miami, by the way, and look at Airbnbs in New York. Look at Airbnbs in Miami. Good grief! It is yeah. it is impossible to find a place to stay in Miami. You're there. You think that it's going out of style, like it's amazing. <laughs> Everybody's clamoring to be there. And I thought New York was expensive. Miami is at another level altogether. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy. It's so crazy. Um, I just had, I had a friend come in from Miami and he was like, you know, I went to a steakhouse. He was like, that exact thing cost me like 350 bucks. It would have cost me a thousand dollars in Miami. That's crazy. And I think, you know, I I don't know, but I know a lot of people left New York and went to Miami. So it could, that could have, you know, something to do with it, but the weather is pretty incredible, especially the the winter over there. I I will say. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that's where like, Every New Yorker goes when they leave New York. <laughs> but, or maybe Arizona. But uh, yeah. But but yeah. otherwise, you know, as far as from, uh, let's start with residential. So mm-hmm. rental prices, have they stabilized? Are they back to pre-pandemic numbers or close They're to it? They're higher than pre-pandemic. They're, They're higher. higher. Much higher, yeah. Interesting. Much higher than pre-pandemic for rentals. And as far as residential is concerned, mm-hmm. You, you have to look at, in New York, you have to look at some, the different types of residential. You've got condos, co-ops, and single families. Okay, so the co-op space, they, they slowed down for a while. Okay. Um, so, so we weren't seeing the price hike with co-ops like we were, like they were previously and like we, we were seeing with single families because everybody wanted more space right? Because they, they didn't want the one bedroom co-op or two bedroom co-op because they needed an, because now they needed two offices and, you know, all this other, all this other space. So we really saw, we really saw the price hike with mostly single families and then um, luxury condos too. (coughs) Excuse me. So single family homes, like they, they would go, they would get 30, 30 offers um, in a weekend and they would sell for, they, their offers would be accepted 50, 50 grand over list average, like all the time, you know? So it, the thing about, the thing about the low interest rates, low interest rates were great for, for people because it allowed a lot of people who could formerly not afford a home to now be able to afford a home. Okay. So that was great. The problem that you run into when that happens is, especially with the this sort of flood of new buyers into the market, and you only have the same amount of homes for sale, drives prices up. And a lot of times, new first-time home buyers, you know, they don't have as much cash, you know, in the bank. They can they can they have like a minimum down payment and things like that. But when you're dealing with, you know, fifty thousand dollars over list price. Then you run into appraisal issues, and if you're if the if the buyer doesn't have a lot of cash, then they can't cover the gap, <clears throat> things like that. So so that's where it can be a little bit difficult. But um, you know, I hear a lot of buyers say, you know, it's just too crazy. I don't want to be in the market right now. Well, yeah, it's crazy, but if you just stay in it, that people are buying and selling homes every day. 
it's crazy. It's crazy. So mm -hmm. you just have to stay in it until you get yours accepted and get under contract, you know, be patient. And, um, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's kind of what it's, what it's about, but it's been nuts. And we are, we're in the beginning of a shift right now. So, um, which is, which is good. And we all knew it was coming. <laughs> so, so tell us, cause we know our shift in Canada here and we know that the media is the sky is falling every day, yeah. you know, interest rates are rising. It's a buyer's market. There's no more multi offers. There's no more bully offers. What's it like in New York now? What's the, uh, what's the We're shift like for you? Yeah. And we're, we're just, we're just in the beginning of it, just mm -hmm. in the beginning of it. So we're starting to see um, a higher, higher number of homes for sale, which is, which is great with the higher interest rates. It is pushing people out of the market. So, you know, buyers, buyers are coming down. So, you know, if you're even, if you've got, if you're, a, if you are a homeowner, you've got equity in your home, you know, now is the time to sell. Don't wait. Otherwise, otherwise you are, you're going to miss out on, you know, being able to sell your home for, for a significant amount of money. So, you know, that's, that's, that's what we're just starting to see right now. I think other areas of the country are seeing it happen faster, um, like Texas, but we're, we're just starting and it's going to be really interesting. And, and I think like everybody always wants to, wants to make it sound like the sky is falling and everything's going bad, but what they don't understand is like, this happens all the time. It goes up, and it goes down and it goes up and it goes down and you know just expect it and and learn how to maneuver because you're never going to be able to <laughs> to stop it i gotta so. tell you like i'm a couple years older than you not much but uh <laughs> i remember being a kid and having gic's at 15 percent. okay so you can imagine what mortgage rates were like if your gic was 15 percent. oh yeah. wow yeah so but honestly, it's funny because I've read a lot of studies on that. And they're saying that back in the day when you're 70s, 80s, if you're buying a house, let's say for 50 grand and you're paying 20% in interest, you're way better off than buying the house for a million dollars and paying one and a half percent interest. But people don't yeah. see that. They just know those payments. Yeah. It, it, yeah. It, it's so funny. It is crazy because I think a lot, and this is where like our job comes into play and where we have to be knowledgeable and educate people because they just see this either really high interest rate and they don't look at the overall the overall picture like how much am i actually paying in interest in three different scenarios you know if the interest rate goes up two percent everybody freaks out but like look at the actual look at the property look at the actual like the length of what's your term you know what's your loan terms and things like that so you know just walking them through the process and making sure they see the numbers and can understand the numbers makes a big difference you know <clears throat> because property taxes has a lot to do with their payment too. And, and I, I have this con these conversations all the time. Like, no, you can't afford that house. It's $15,000 in taxes, <laughs> you know? But what do you do with that buyer that comes to you and says to you, I really want to get in the market. I've always wanted to own in New York city. I've been renting forever, but I hear the market starting to soften. Do I hold off? What do I do? What, what, what do you tell them? Well, basically what I, what I do with all of my clients, they, they want to buy, we look at where they're at financially, like, mm -hmm. you know, what's your credit, how much money do you have for down payment? What kind of a property are you wanting to buy? What kind of area are you wanting to look in? And then we determine like what they can afford based off of what they want, you know? And I think if you can be in the market, get in the market. If you need to purchase right now, purchase right now, start looking because, because like I said before, 
the market's always changing. So trying to time the market is just not a wise thing to do. You have to do what's best for you and then make adjustments based on what the market's doing. I'll, so, throw you, I'll, I'll throw you a couple of things as well. Because as a real estate lawyer, this comes up all the time. And I'll tell them, listen, I'm not giving you business advice, but I'll mm -hmm. tell you a couple of things. When that, when that property would have had 30 offers, let's say, and right now they don't, and they'll actually put it in conditions even for you. You know what? You may not get this opportunity in a week, in a month. You don't know. You don't know. And yeah. all of a sudden, because the weather's hot, people get all excited and horny for real estate. And they're like, okay, let's yeah. go buy. Let's go buy right now. And you may be too late. You know, it's funny because yeah. I remember in, in early 20, early to mid 2020, I said to people, if you ever want to buy New York, get in right now. Don't hesitate. But people are like, no, it'll get worse. I'm going to hold out for another year. Waiting for that extra year, you could be sitting for a decade. And that property yeah. that you could have had for a million dollars, now you're paying $2 million. But yeah. But the other thing I find very interesting is like this, you get in the market at any point, you probably started at a low price point. So now if you're going to sell and it dipped down, the thing you're going to go buy probably dipped down more. So you're still ahead. And yeah. guess what? If it went up, then the next thing you're going to buy went up too. But the difference is get in, just get in. Don't, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. 100%. And I have this conversation too, like every, every buyer consult I have, they, they, they give me this, this huge wish list. And I'm like, look, because I'm looking at their financial situation. I'm like, what you're wanting right now, you cannot afford. You can't afford your dream house, but it's more important for you to purchase something so you can build equity in that something. So that way, five years from now, you can sell it and buy the dream home. You know, but people don't understand that they, they're not will. they would rather pay rent for five more years and and then still not get their dream home than buy something that's either maybe needs some work or maybe is smaller than they're wanting or maybe is, isn't in the perfect area. Then, you know, the, it's better to do that, to buy something, just like you said, get in the market because you can play the game better if you're already in it. Like it's easier. It's easier for someone who already owns a home than it is for a first-time home buyer to, to make a purchase. It just is because you have money from the sale of your house. You have the equity as your next down payment. Bingo. And I, and listen to this. They're talking about New York City now, but you know what? This could be anywhere in the world, really. I think oh, any, yeah. any, any market, you know, this would hold, but especially in New York City, you know, like it's funny because there's only so much real estate, only so much land to go around. And mm -hmm. that's one of the things I always argue when you're outside of New York, if you're like in, like we are in Toronto and other major cities, you think prices are expensive here? Go look what the prices are in New York. You know, you could probably buy five apartments here to what you'd buy there. So keep oh, it man. in all perspective. When you're in a major metropolis, you know, there's a reason why New York is New York, LA is LA, LA and Miami is Miami. Now, finishing off, uh, I know you have your seminar, you have another seminar coming up. Thank you for mm -hmm. booking us in. I know your time is yeah. very precious, but I'm not letting you off the hook until we cover one last topic. What we, is it? You live such an amazing life. You wear so many hats. We've learned about your journey, but we also connected through a very important point, which is something very big in my life, which is fitness and bodybuilding. Mm -hmm. So yeah. if we yeah. tell the Kitty Mae Haggard story, we have to also talk about she was a bikini model and a uh, bodybuilding comp competitor. So let us yeah. know about that, please. How, how, how know, long ago did you do that? And what, what was that like? Yeah, so um, I started I started lifting weight. I've always been into fitness and I, and I never really, especially as a, a young adult, I never really found um, what I really love to do and what, what was really, what would really change my physique in a way that made me really happy until I found bodybuilding. And then I just fell in love with it. 
And, um, <clears throat> you know, I did do, I did do one competition um, and I believe that was in 2019. And honestly, <laughs> I did it as, um, I promised myself that I would, that I would do it. And, uh, and I was working in kitchens at the time, which made it very training, very difficult and nutrition, very difficult. So yes. I was literally not in the best shape. It, I wasn't in appropriate shape for a competition, but I promised myself I would do it. So I kept that promise. Um, and I also, we, com we next... competed in the same year, by the way, just so you know, my one, was it the same year? 2019. Yeah. 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 So October, that's... 2019. Yes. That's exciting. Yeah. So, um, what were your categories? <laughs> I think I, I just did a novice, like bikini, bikini novice. Um, but I'm actually, I, I don't think I told you this, but I'm actually competing with, uh, in this November, November 5th, same show I did. And um, wow. because after, after that show, I was like, I'm going to do another one and I'm going to do it right. I'm going to hire the best trainer that I could find. And I'm, and I'm going to, I'm going to do it. So literally two weeks ago, I hired my trainer, which I had been wanting to work with him for three years. Amazing. So, so a huge goal, huge, huge goal for me. Yes. And, um, and, and then, so I'm on a, like a three month, like a 12 week pre pre competition. And then I have, and then I'll be going into a 12 week prep because it's on November 5th yes. and I'm, I'm really excited. Wow. Really excited. Yeah. Uh, it's mind blowing. I could tell you that I did my one and done, but I ended up having five trainers in different capacities on different things. It is such an investment in time, resources, energy. It's, it's mind blowing, but uh, I got to ask you, like having gone through the competition initially, now you're going to be doing it again. Congratulations, by the way, that's amazing. And if you didn't, if you were not into the bodybuilding gym life into you, we always talk about you and I, about uh, healthy eating, would you be where you are in your profession today? Uh, probably, probably not, you know, working or, or a fair question. How, how much do you think that it helps shape your motivation, like taking care of yourself, you know, physically and what, what you consume and how you train, how has that helped shape your career? It, it helps in every, every possible way, every aspect, because, you know, it just, it builds a level of confidence and a level of trust with yourself, um, which is the most important relationship you have is the one with yourself, you know, and if you can't trust yourself and if you're, if you're not proud of yourself and if, if you're not doing what you know you need to do, then you'll never grow it in your life and in your career the way you could. You'll never, you'll never reach your potential because, because you, you're not doing the thing, you're not doing what you know is necessary. And exercise, health and wellness, bodybuilding, like all of these things are challenges that I have with myself. You know, can I, can I win this competition in November? Can I go through this prep and, and do a hundred times better than I did last time? Can I, how, how far can I really go? You know, and um, <clears throat> you need, you need those areas in your life where you're experiencing a lot of success to prove to yourself that the areas that you may not be experiencing as much success you can. It's just a matter of skill and time and dedication and commitment, you know? Love it. Love that's it. what, that's what bodybuilding is for me. I, and I love it. You know, I, you got to find the things that you love to do because if you're trying to be great at something you hate, <laughs> like that's a just, you're, you're fighting a losing battle, right? Until eventually you may learn to, it's funny because I, I'll turn around and do the whole Buddhism thing with you. But if you hate it that much, 
it means you need to work harder at it. And, yeah. you know, if it doesn't, cha- I always, I have that expression, if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't change you. Yeah. Maybe if you hate it that much, maybe don't give up, you know, right? Not that it's saying you are, but it's yeah. amazing how something, I, like I could tell you a lot of things I do. I didn't love them at the beginning. I don't know if I still love them always, but I love what it brings to my life. I love the net effects yeah. of it. So, you know, yeah, it's, 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 it's called working at the gym for a reason. It's not fun at the gym. Yeah. It's work at the gym, but yeah, it's, it's training. It's yeah. like legit training. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. Amazing. Now, uh, people to contact you, uh, best way to find you. We're going to have your Instagram handle and yeah. otherwise any other contact information you can pass along. Yeah. Uh, given my cell phone, it's 901-626-2618. Text me, call me. I'm always here. She's ready to buy and sell real estate in New York City. (laughs) You can make it there. You can make it anywhere. You can make it anywhere. Any any final thoughts on New York City? Anything we didn't cover? Any last message of inspiration? Don't give up. Don't give up. Even even if you want to, even if it's getting hard, even even if you you think it's the end, just just keep going. Keep trying. Um, Because that that matters. That matters and it will always make a difference. Love it. Katie, thank you very much for taking out the time for us today. We know you're going to do great things. One day we may see you on one of the big reality shows as far as real estate. You (laughs) never, ever know where life's going to take you. But thank you and thank you for the inspiration today. And as we sign off, I don't know if you said our show or not, we do the flex. Oh, you do the flex. We do the flex. And we say, (laughs) keep living the chosen life. Keep living the chosen life. Cheers.